certain part of uh, Manila, and grew up Catholic, as most Filipinos are. Uh, and uh, my family moved to the U.S. in 1992, uh, when I was 15. And it w wasn't until my last quarter at UCLA, my last quarter at, in college, was when I got saved. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, just uh, God providentially put me in touch with, uh, I had some friends who were part of a campus ministry. Uh, one was from the Grace Church one, uh, Grace on Campus, and others were from uh, Navigators. Uh, and just through their influence uh, and some of the uh, things that God sent my way, by way of trials and, and stuff, uh, I started attending uh, one of their Bible studies. And it was through the Bible study that uh, uh, the gospel became clear to me, and I repented and got saved. So that was around 2000. Um, and uh, around 2001, I became a member at Grace Community Church. Uh, so Grace Community Church is my home church. Um, in about 2002, I was work. I, this part of my salvation testimony was, uh, so I was in college, late 90s. And while I was in college, I learned how to make websites. And if you remember way back then, uh, that was, quite a lucrative field. It was new, so if you knew how to make a website, people would give you money, lots, lots of money, even though, yeah, it's not. Uh, so th that was part of how God saved me, because I was, uh, in a sense, uh, I had, I was on my way to a good life uh, with a pretty nice job, uh, but at the same time, uh, God allowed me to realize how empty that life would have been. Uh, and so uh, it was through that that I started uh, visiting my friends' uh, Bible studies and got to know the gospel. Um, in 2002, I started working at Grace Community School. They had a, uh, elementary and junior high. I became their computer lab teacher. And in 2004 was when I started seminary. Uh, and when I started seminary, I didn't have a clear idea of necessarily where to go for ministry, uh, but in the back of my mind, I was always curious about the possibility of going to the Philippines, but, uh, and as this was happening, uh, Sean, uh, who uh, Pastor Phil mentioned, he went, left for the Philippines around 2004 or 2006, I believe, uh, and so as I was getting closer and closer to finishing up seminary, uh, the need for further help with the training center became more and more concrete, uh, so that uh, by the time I graduated, uh, that that became clear where we, that that was where we wanted to go. Um, so Sandy and I took uh, an exploratory trip there in 2009, and in two 2014, uh, we were sent off by Grace, and May 2014 was when we uh, landed there, so. That's great, maybe tell us a little bit how you met your wife, and and what the Lord's been doing in your family. Yeah, so uh, Sandy and I met at uh, Grace Community Church. We were both uh, taking uh, Logos classes. These are just some classes that they offer to anybody. Uh, it's got like their own Bible Institute, uh, unaccredited. Uh, but we were both taking classes, and that's kind of how we got acquainted with each other. Uh, we got to know each other more when 
uh, a friend of mine, a uh, family friend that I had shared the gospel to, uh, got saved, and uh, oh, that's my son, <laughs> that's Sam. Uh, uh, it's right in around here, that's great. <laughs> my uh, a family friend of mine uh, that I had shared the gospel with, I got saved and got plugged into Grace Church, and she became friends with uh, some ladies at Grace Community Church, and one of them was Sandy. And when this friend got married, uh, she was uh, trying to play matchmaker for me and Sandy. She uh, put us in the same table and had us working together. And and so that's kind of when we actually started dating. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so we got married, uh, and then in 2006, uh, was when we got married, uh, kind of middle way through seminary, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, um, it took us a little bit longer to, uh, to get to the field because after graduating from seminary, I was working full time. It was after seminary that we started our family. Um, so I graduated in 2009. Jacob was born in 2010. Trevor was born in 2011. Uh, and then uh, uh, Noah was born in 2014. Uh, and yeah, uh, as far as uh, what God is uh, kind of teaching us through our family, um, well, the 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 lockdowns <laughs> the, the lockdowns in the Philippines have been uh, uh, pretty pretty intense uh, so like uh, Jerry was there in 2020 uh, 2020 uh, for um, to do his uh, creation seminars in January right and at the end of it before he left we uh, dropped him off at the hotel near the airport so he can catch his flight. But I remember that uh, he took us out to dinner at uh, one of the balls near the airport. That meal when we went out was one of the last times that my kids got to go out. Uh, because uh, when March 2020 hit and they called the, uh, the restrictions, um, basically minors, so 18 and under, and seniors, 65 and over, have for the large part, for the last two years, been uh, limited to the home. Uh, so for the last two school years, uh, all schools have been all online, all, all virtual. Uh, and the minors, they put away in the homes because they could be carriers. And then the seniors, well, they could be vulnerable. Uh, and so... Uh, so that's been hard. So uh, for the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time together as a family, uh, and there's been some good. Uh, there's been some good uh, fruit from that. Uh, we've had some good uh, gospel conversations with with our kids uh, when we were studying Acts, and uh, uh, I think we studied a little bit. Philippi- we're reading through Philippians uh, with the family. Uh, when I tell them that Paul was in prison under house arrest for two years, uh, they can relate to that because they've, for the most part, been under house arrest for the last two years also. Um, so it's, yeah, it, 
a lot of the things that we've been learning recently have to do with uh, with the pandemic restri COVID restrictions uh, that have been in the country. Uh, yeah. So I think on one of your videos, you talked about at one time, one member of the family could have a, a card that would allow them legally to be out on the streets. How has that been in the last, you know, yeah. the months before you came, how okay. is that now? Yeah, so at the so in 2020, when they, when they initially called the, the lockdown, uh, the government, local government issued a pass, uh, one for each household, so that you have a designated person from your household who can go out once a week in your designated day uh, so that you can do your essentials. So all the trips to the groceries, all the trips to the bank, uh, pay bills and everything, you have one day to accomplish all of that once a week. Uh, that went on for months. Uh, I forget when it ended, so that started March, I think through kind of fall, it, 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 it stuck through. Uh, and the irony of that was, you know, they were avoiding uh, large gatherings of people, but uh, what ended up happening was the lines to supermarkets were so long. Uh, it would take me five hours to do a grocery run. Uh, two hours to line up, one hour once I'm inside to do my grocery, and another two hours to, to pay for it, because uh, the lines were so long. Uh, and so after you do your groceries, I mean, that's, that's kind of your day. Uh, and yeah, lines to the ATMs were, 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 were long also. Um, so that went on for, for a few months. Uh, they, and then they started uh, opening up a little bit. Uh, they, they eased that requirement. And then before the vaccines were available, they, that's when they limited people who could go out. So if you're between 18 and 65, you could go out. Uh, and even churches were allowed to gather uh, people, those who are 18 to 65 can, 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 can gather uh, up to a certain percent, percentage of, of, the, of, the, of the building. Uh, uh, and so by the time that we left, well, when we left, uh, so we, we arrived in the U.S. on December 1st. Towards the end of the year, we did this in 2020 and 2021. Towards Christmas, we noticed that they were a little bit more open. Uh, they even uh, allowed kids to go to the malls and everything, but mostly I think that's financially motivated uh, so that the businesses could get something for, for, for the holidays. Uh, but uh, when we left the Philippines, that was when uh, the Omicron... Yeah, the Omicron variant was just starting. So uh, we were fearful of being stuck with a travel ban or, or something like that because we have friends who have been stuck uh, with travel bans. Uh, actually, our friend, uh, the Ransoms, the Ransom family, last year they came on furlough to the US. Uh, it was only supposed to be a six month furlough, but it ended up being a one year furlough because uh, two days before they were supposed to come back to the Philippines, uh, the Philippines called the travel ban. And so, because there was a surge. Uh, so they were stuck. Uh, they had to, uh, they tried to reschedule a couple different times. Uh, finally, they were able to do that, but uh, all in all, they came back to the Philippines about eight, six months later than, than, than planned. 
So we were getting kind of nervous on our way over, uh, but uh, by God's grace, uh, it was really before the Omicron spread. It was just initial news about uh, this new variant coming from Africa or whatever, South Africa, uh, uh, was, was, was being spread. So when we came, uh, it was a little bit more open. And then it got, as, after we arrived here, most of kind of early January, they were kind of strict again. But that only lasted for a few weeks. For a few weeks. By end of January of 2022, uh, it was more open if you were vaccinated. Uh, they've kind of since second half of 2021, the government's kind of been enforcing their uh, vaccine mandate. And that, that in itself has become another issue for, for, for churches and some, because what the vaccine mandates have required is that uh, they, they're treating churches like businesses. So the same standards that they have for businesses is what they, the government has applied to churches. Uh, for businesses, they require the, all staff to be vaccinated so that you can operate. Uh, even if some of the people that come into your business are not vaccinated. Uh, so it, it's been kind of a mess. Uh, for our church in particular, we have some pastors in our church that um, have strong convictions about not vaccinating. And our official stance as a church was, hey, it's, it's your conviction. Uh, follow your conscience, whether you're vaccinated or not. Uh, but yeah, some of the restrictions were kind of forcing everybody to take uh, one position. Uh, and that's been, even in our church, there's, there's some division, even among the leadership with regard to that. Yeah, it's been challenging. You alluded in your message of just the impact <clears throat> on those who are not considered essential for what they were doing for work. How, how is it... The, people in your church, but also the pastors, how is the economy and, and just their, uh, the job situation, how is that going for the, the people you minister? Uh, yeah. Uh, some businesses have flourished under the pandemic because of uh, whatever the, COVID, the restrictions kind of uh, made their business line of work uh, more uh, push people their way. Uh, but there are many people who have lost jobs. Uh, we know one church, uh, a number of their pastors uh, went through our program. Uh, a number of their members have, have lost jobs. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it, it has been uh, uh, very challenging. Um, and particularly if you're, if you're a line of work, was required if, if you're the, if you had the type of job that couldn't be accomplished virtually or remotely, uh, you were very vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, so many people have been affected by that, um, and you know with now with uh, gas prices and everything, mm-hmm. uh, I was just chatting with uh, some of our pastors in the Philippines the other day, and he was he was saying that uh, uh, some of the Public transportation is largely privatized in the Philippines, like private operators of, of, of public utility vehicles. Uh, well, some of them just aren't taking passengers anymore because it's not worth, they're not recouping the cost with the, with the price of gas. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of 
So that affects the public transportation, mm -hmm. like jeepneys, taxis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. How are you guys just doing with your your needs? Uh, are you guys under supported? Are you as part of your um, task in the states raising more partner development support? How are you guys doing personally? Yeah. So we are uh, we're a little bit under uh, of our monthly budget, but. Uh, Overall, we're, we're doing fine uh, because we, it took us a little bit of a while to, uh, to raise the support so that we would be sent out. Uh, but because of that, uh, we have a good level of reserves in our, in our account with our city agency. Uh, and so even though we may be a little bit under, uh, we're still, we still have a good uh, amount of reserves. So, uh, and over the... Uh, through this furlough, um, we, ha we have had a couple of new churches that have decided to, to add us on as missionaries, so that's been, that's been good. Yes, questions? Follow up on that. Yep. So, so if I'm hearing you right, you're basically saying that you're kind of dwindling away some savings to stay within the budget. Yes. Because you're slightly under Yes. Question, anyone questions uh, follow-up or any different different types of questions and just raise your hand maybe, maybe you can share just what you guys are doing for for schooling and did that okay. change during the pandemic or what do you yeah doing? Uh, so we uh, we have been homeschooling and uh, the so with regard to the pandemic uh, that didn't really change much uh, for us. Uh, actually, uh, our kids sometimes complain, like, "Hey, so nothing changed for us. Uh, everybody, else, everybody else's school changed except except us." Uh, so that's been good. Uh, and because we couldn't go anywhere, we've been very consistent homeschooling <laughs> for the last couple of years. Although it did affect uh, Sandy, she used to be part of a. Uh, kind of a more informal co-op of, of, of uh, homeschoolers um, and they, they had to stop that um, so so yeah uh, so with regard to homeschooling it hasn't changed much because of that uh, because of the pandemic it's just that uh, our activities with other families uh, and kind of field trips I mean some of the things that you know uh, are some of the benefits of, of, of homeschooling uh, that we haven't been able to take advantage of those as much. Is, is the type of training you do, the numbers of students, is, are you able to do all that you'd like to do with the restrictions or is, are you having to do more virtually? How is that affecting yeah. you? Yeah, so for us, in, we're, we are based just outside of Manila. Uh, all of, our, of, of the training I'm involved with uh, has gone online. Uh, we do have uh, staff another missionary uh, who's in the southern part of the country. Uh, where he is, the restrictions haven't been as uh, severe as in the capital. Uh, so since we're so close to the capital, basically our restrictions follow the, the restrictions in the capital. Uh, so he has been able to have uh, in-person classes uh, a lot earlier uh, because their restrictions haven't been as strict. Uh, so, but for us, for the ones I've been involved with, we've gone online. And 
there are some benefits and some drawbacks also. Uh, there are some students who just don't have access to high-speed internet. Uh, and some of you guys may have experienced this where you're in a Zoom meeting or you're leading a Zoom meeting and for most of the meeting there's usually a guy, one or two people who for most of the meeting keep trying to reconnect. Um, so that, that, that's very common. Um, and we have lost a few students who, who haven't been able to transition online. But we also have gained some. Uh, probably gain more actually uh, with online um, because there are some people who are just outside of our city areas where we conduct classes who couldn't join us for in-person classes before who now can, can uh, avail of our classes uh, but also uh, when everything went online uh, International opportunities opened up. Uh, we're working with some of our missionaries in uh, Malaysia and in Indonesia uh, and Myanmar, uh, and some of our team has been able to uh, conduct classes with them, training classes with, with some pastors. Uh, last year, I was able to conduct a class with uh, a group of students in Indonesia. Uh, that was actually the first time that I've had to work through a uh, a translator uh, because they, they spoke Bahasa uh, and uh, yeah that was uh, coordinated with uh, one of our uh, missionaries in Indonesia uh, like uh, Jerry mentioned uh, also last year I was able to uh, do a zoom call with uh, a number of Filipino pastors who are ministering in Dubai uh, so yeah it was just kind of interesting how uh, international opportunities opened up uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, and one in particular was very interesting. Um, one of our team members, uh, Tim Carnes, he was connected with a, a, a pastor who's a contact in Pakistan. When he was this pastor in Pakistan, he lived in the Philippines for a few years to study at a seminary there. And while he was in the Philippines, he got connected, this Pakistani pastor uh, got connected with one of, attended one of our partner churches in Manila. And through that, he, get, he got connected with us. And then he found out that, he said that, hey, your guys' training is actually better than what I got from, 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 from the seminary. And so, uh, Right before the pandemic hit, he was able. He, he went home to Pakistan, and was able to. When the pandemic hit, he was able to organize uh, online training uh, for a number of pastors in Pakistan uh, with one of our uh, uh, missionary staff. And uh, just a few months ago, early this year, early 2022, uh, Tim got to go to Pakistan. Uh, uh, to conduct uh, the last segment of our uh, preaching, first, first level preaching program. Uh, and so uh, he was able to go there, visit with the pastors, and encourage them, and, and, and hear them preach, evaluate their preaching in person. Um, and it's just kind of interesting that this all kind of, a lot, a lot of these opportunities uh, were just from the Lord. Like we weren't, three years ago, we wouldn't have known that we would have had these opportunities. These all just kind of were opened up by the Lord. Uh, uh, and yeah.
kind of amazing. Yeah, one of the ministry update videos I remember seeing uh, talked about one of the pastors connected with you guys who typically would preach to 50 or 60 people on a Sunday and then when the restrictions were severe and they weren't able to gather, he, his audience actually grew listening to the sermon. Share, share a little bit about maybe that dynamic of, of uh, how, how the Lord's grown his church even when, when they couldn't meet together. Yeah, uh, even from our church, uh, in 20, sec, towards the end of 2020 and the first half of 2021, uh, our church actually grew. Uh, God brought in new people into our church. Uh, during this time, only 18 to 65 could meet and only a limited number of percentage of, 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 of the building capacity could be ad admitted in. Uh, but uh, word got around uh, through the internet, um, through YouTube, and, and there were some people who started coming. Uh, and even though it was still locked down in the Philippines, we actually had uh, some new members, new members class. Uh, and, and we were able to add uh, to our church. Um, and that's been a common experience, uh, I think. Uh, going online has, has, has reached more people. Uh, I know that uh, even our pastor mentioned he gets email from someone from Arizona, just uh, encouraging him, uh, telling him how he, this person has been blessed by, by, by the preaching. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the internet has really you know, brought in the, 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 the audience. Um, and I think, on one hand, one of the encouraging things, one of the, there, there's been positives and negatives because of the pandemic, right? Because of the restrictions. But one of the positives has been that for our church at least, it was just reduced to the, what's the bare minimum? What's the essence of the church, right? Uh, our church has a history, long history with pragmatism. Uh, that's kind of where they came from. Uh, and for a number of years, you know, we've been working hard to try to redirect the church. Uh, but it was very encouraging to see when a lot of the bells and whistles were taken out and you just, you know, very simple worship, uh, very simple, clear preaching, uh, that in the course of that, the church grew and we got added to it. Uh, there are some other challenges uh, that, that, that the church is uh, facing now, but, uh, uh, but that was a breath of fresh air, just kind of seeing how when you just go focus on the basics, uh, God's going to grow his church. Amen. Yes, Jason. Mm -hmm. Oh, pragmatism? Pragmatism, yeah. Uh, pragmatism is the idea that uh, whatever works is right. So if people want this type of ministry, let's give them that type of ministry. It's, it's an idea from church growth that basically uh, a, a lot of um, it, it, it takes uh, uh, the cue from uh, business models so if, if, if your customer base wants this product then you give them more of that product um, and while that may be a good practice for business uh, for the church uh, what ultimately decides what is good or bad is the word of God, right? Whether people like it or not. Uh, and so, 
subscribe to our newsletter uh, I have it on my iPad you can just scan that little QR code and you can sign up for it um, and, and let me just add to that if any of you don't know how to do that we can help you in the office we can get you your email address over to them so. yeah normally in the past we would pass around a sign-up sheet uh, but I figured this was actually less paperwork and uh, you can sign up directly yourself um, uh, yeah, so that would be uh, a good tangible way uh, to uh, hear about our uh, ministry, uh, keep in touch with our ministry. Um, yeah, maybe to make the question more specific, would there be um, you know month monthly support? We talked about that a little oh, bit. Sure, would, yeah. would there be any any ways like a special project or a gift that would help the pastors there or the training? If you have more resources for a a special project is there any anything that comes to mind yeah um, so right now uh, uh, we do have our yeah we are uh, one, one of my projects as I'm on uh, furlough is developing curriculum to launch a uh, we're planning on launching a master of ministry Program. So we have three, two programs right now. Uh, our uh, uh, Biblical Studies, which is kind of like a Bible Institute level training. And our Preaching Program, which is specifically for pastors, equipping them for preaching. Uh, the next kind of level project that we're working on, working to develop, is a Master of Ministry, which is kind of a higher level. It's not as high as a Master of Divinity, uh, but it would be at a graduate level training um, so definitely you can be in prayer for that uh, and as far as you know special projects um, you could prayerfully consider uh, uh, supporting like the, the launch of that uh, uh, we're hoping to, to we're planning on launching the first semester of that uh, this fall and so one of my projects this year is while I'm here is actually uh, developing a uh, curriculum for uh, the Bible survey curriculum for, for that. Are there like scholarship needs or, or even book funds? I know a lot of these pastors are working different jobs and are there any financial things that people can help specifically for students? Oh yeah, uh, definitely uh, scholarships. Um, yeah, scholarships for classes would, would be important. Uh, just to give you a little breakdown of the cost. Uh, for uh, our preaching program, which is the one for exclusively for pastors, um, we try to minimize the the, the cost, that, that the, the price, that the tuition that we charge them, so that it'll be uh, accessible. Uh, but our 
so it's there is we call them terms, not semesters, uh, because it could be uh, six terms or semesters. Uh, would probably equivalent uh, is, is 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 how it runs, and each term. Uh, it's about $50 for a student, uh, just for the tuition and fees. Uh, yes, uh, but yes, uh, scholarships would, would be very, very helpful. Um, and uh, as that would, because we, we have had, we have lost some students uh, uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, I know of one in particular. Uh, he's kind of volunteer staff at his church. Uh, is on the preaching rotation sometimes, but he's had to withdraw from our classes because he has to he has to work more. He hasn't lost his job, but other people in his job have lost theirs, and so now he's taking on more uh, responsibilities at the same job. So he doesn't have the time to uh, uh, he, he couldn't commit the time to our program anymore. Uh, but yeah, so uh, by way of scholarships for students, that would be definitely helpful. Uh, so for our preaching program, it's about yeah fifty dollars for one term, uh, total of six terms for the whole program. Yeah, this would be helpful. And uh, yeah, if you sign up for our newsletter, uh, you can reply. It's just the sending email address is my email address. So uh, if you have specific questions about that, uh, we'll be able to point you directly to how to uh, give those. Uh, financial support for those type of projects. That's great. And for any who don't know, uh, through our church, if you want to give to the check that we give to the Lucianos each month, you can just write Luciano or Philippines, and it'll, it'll go to the right place. So anytime, you can do that. Um, I think I know this, but a lot of people don't, don't know this. Are you teaching in English or in the native dialects? I do a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, actually, in the Philippines, uh, Filipino and English are the two official uh, national languages. Uh, in Manila, I speak a lot of Tagalog. Uh, in the provinces, I've found that English will actually could actually go further than Tagalog. Uh, and Jerry would know this. Uh, in some areas, their uh, their Tagalog uh, is not as good as their you know local dialect. But they all knew, learned English in school, so um, so English is a is a very useful. Uh, it goes further, actually, than even the Gaelic does. That's good. Yes. Do you have you know, 120 plus languages in the Philippines? Mm -hmm. Do you ever run into like a language barrier where you just can't communicate with somebody, uh, be it be it the gospel message or trying to uh, talk with men that you might be? Uh, they're interested in some fashion to be trained. What do you do? What's your strategy there? Yeah. Um, well, in the, in the Philippines, uh, there's language groups. There's probably about five main language groups. Uh, and so uh, for us, we, for situations like that where maybe some of the guys are more remote, uh, more rural areas, uh, crucial to our strategy to reaching those type of people, those type of men, uh, are partnerships with local churches. Uh, and so, uh, even in the, the southern part of the country, um, we have one missionary staff there, uh, and uh, 
the, the, the church partner in, in that city is probably one of the more mature churches uh, that we are partnered with. And more and more, our graduates who are part of that church, uh, they're starting to take on more responsibilities with teaching. And uh, they would be more well-versed in the local dialect, local... Uh, and so, so it's more like we can... Uh, yeah, we basically, it's equipping uh, local leaders to kind of reach those people because they would be in a far better uh, position, not just linguistically, but culturally, uh, to reach them. Also, one, one more. Hmm? Um, the Philippines have brags that it's a Christian mm-hmm. nation, but the reality is that's about 85, 86% Catholic. Yes. Do you yes. guys run into that in TMAI in terms of these men coming in and somehow thinking, well, I've got to do it works, this is kind of the direction we need to go? When you're there, obviously the training can reach grace. Yeah, uh, and actually, yeah, uh, some people would say that, oh, Philippines uh, is, it's not just that, but it's like the only Christian nation uh, in that part of the world because everybody uh, north of us is uh, Buddhist, everybody south of us is uh, Muslim. Uh, and, uh, and not only that, but... The fact that you know, uh, American, North American missionaries have been coming to the Philippines since the uh, turn of the 20th century. Uh, but yeah, to that I would say that um, the yeah, when, when they say the Philippines is a Christian nation, that's spreading that out broadly, as broad as you can. Basically, Christendom, right, uh, to include Catholics uh, and. But yeah, uh, majority of the country is 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 unsaved uh, as Catholics, and so there is still a strong need for the gospel there. Um, and yeah, um, and so yeah, so what, what what we're trying to do is just uh, equip local leaders uh, so that uh, we we focus on a very particular foundational, we would say, aspect of ministry: expository preaching. Uh, because we think that that would be the most effective approach that we can do as missionaries to, to influence the churches uh, so that they would be better able to reach their local context. So, yeah. But yeah, it's, but also within the, among evangelicals in the Philippines, there's a lot of cultural Christianity also. Uh, a lot of cultural Christianity. Uh, I remember. I was in Cebu. It's in the middle of the country. It's where Magellan landed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, having been saved from Catholicism, I was just assuming that everybody, that's kind of the common experience in the Philippines. Uh, we were, it was with a, a Christian group that we were conducting this uh, seminar. And I just asked, oh, how many of you guys uh, got saved out of Catholicism or know someone who's Catholic? And I was surprised, very few of them did. Uh, meaning a lot of them kind of grew up within the Christian, uh, at least evangelical, you know, families, evangelical settings. And, well, how many Catholics do you know? And very few people uh, raised their hands. And I was kind of surprised by that because 
uh, in this city, uh, we actually had to cut our seminar short because uh, later that week, there was a, a big festival, uh, a big uh, Santo Nino festival, uh, Baby Jesus festival, because they worship this little statue of the Baby Jesus, uh, and they have a big parade throughout the town. Uh, but I'm like, oh, how come nobody knows somebody who is Catholic? Right, so uh, uh, there's a lot of cultural Christianity, like uh, uh, where uh, maybe they're second, third generation brought up in a Protestant home. Um, maybe they're conservative in values, but uh, they may not have actually come to a saving realization of the gospel. Uh, so there's a lot of that also uh, in the Philippines, unfortunately. All right, maybe one more question. Yeah. When I believe we were in the Bay Area, I used to work with a lot of Filipinos. And I always told them, I've never been in Filipino in LA. <laughs> and I love your, the, the charisma of the people and the, and, the, and the love of the people and the hospitality of the people. I mean, uh, even those that I, I work with, like Cynthia, were always offering to bring in food so hospitality um, I mean going back to the message this morning about the church as the uh, local hub of the Great Commission it starts I think with uh, you can practice hospitality with one another it's even among Christians right because that's the easiest thing to do right just to invite families from the church over and enjoy fellowship uh, make that to be somewhat regular part of life and then it'd be that much easier than to invite people outside of the church to be you know come over for dinner come over for enjoy hospitality that way uh and 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 and, and influence them that way interesting thing about the philippines uh, about uh just you said something that reminded me inviting people into their homes uh that's something that actually Filipino, people in the Philippines don't practice in the same way. Uh, it's very, in the Philippine, Filipino culture, if you invite someone to your house, as in one-on-one -on -one or a uh, one family to your house, more likely people would say no because they'd be intimidated if you're, like, you're in trouble or something. Uh, but if you, invite, if you were to invite uh, a couple of families over, then that's something else. Then, so it, it's kind of weird. Uh, so we've kind of, we've noticed that, we've been told about that, and we, we've experienced that too. It's easier uh, here to invite a Filipino family over, invite a couple of families over, uh, as opposed to just one. I think maybe they're intimidated with the focus attention on them, but... Maybe it's just one of Yeah, 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 that's true. That's cool, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's do this. You guys may have additional questions, but we'll, I, I want to pray and then we'll give you some opportunity to do that uh, 
interpersonally, but um, as I do that, what are some things for your family, even while you're here in the States, yeah. that we can be praying for? Um, yeah, you can be praying for the rest of our time here. Uh, we'll be uh, uh, traveling to Roseville next week, uh, but next month we'll be in Ohio for, for three weeks, uh, visiting some partner churches there. Uh, so definitely be praying for Traveling Mercies. Um, and as uh, Jerry mentioned earlier, you can be praying for my, my mom uh, in particular. Uh, so if you read our last newsletter, end of January, she lost her brother, passed away. Uh, end of February, she lost her husband, my dad. Uh, both, we believe, definitely my dad, and I have strong reason to believe that even my uncle is with the Lord. Uh, so we rejoice in that, but you know, it's two deaths in two months. Uh, so please be praying for my, my mom. Mm. And also be praying for me uh, when we get back from Northern California. We get back on the 28th of March. Uh, on the 30th of March is my dad's funeral. Uh, so I'll be preaching the message that day, so you can just be praying for me. Uh, God gave my dad a, a really good home going. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of blessings from, from, from God. Uh, just even the timing of our furlough, um, a lot of blessings uh, from the Lord uh, the last few months of his life. Uh, and there's been a lot of opportunities to share the gospel with, with family. Uh, so be praying specifically that uh, hearts would be open uh, and they'd be receptive to the gospel. I'm for that now. Heavenly Father, we... Thank you that you are the, the Father of mercies, uh, the God of all compassion, and uh, you are a, a good Father who even orchestrated in your goodness uh, Alan and his family and kids and, and youngest grandkid even to be able to uh, meet uh, Alan's father. And uh, but Lord, we know even even right now uh, there is uh, grief going through that process. Uh, Lord, we know that Jesus uh, himself can identify and can sympathize with our weakness. He, he wept at the, at the graveside of Lazarus. Uh, he, he likely experienced his own um, earthly father Joseph dying. And uh, Lord, we know that he is a, a man of sorrows and he is with us in these times. I just want to pray especially for... Uh, Alan, that you would help him as he continues to work through and wants to honor his his father, but also the emotion and and uh, even the preparation for that as he's busy traveling and doing what you've called him to. But uh, I want to pray specifically for that service uh, at the end of this month that you would open hearts and open doors as you already have for the gospel, but that it would be planted deep and it would bear fruit and. And for those friends and family members who do not yet know Christ, who, who have not yet repented and trusted in Christ's death and resurrection, as we heard uh, from our brother this morning, Lord, that you would give him the words that your spirit would use to open their eyes and, and that you would save them. But you'd also comfort his, his mom in particular. And uh, Lord, this is a, a season of great loss for her as well and other others as well. So. Uh, we just pray for that time. We pray for uh, their travels, even um, going back and forth from Central California to Roseville and this uh, upcoming trip and uh, next month as well. I just ask, Lord, you give uh, mercies to 
to the whole family, to his wife and his little kids. I know even just being in a minivan and a long drive is there's just uh, they need your mercies for that. So I just pray even uh, this afternoon, this evening, you give them rest, and uh, we just pray that you would uh, encourage them from their time with the saints here. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen.